born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. I um, thought we will now start a study in a book, an interesting book. It's generally a hard book to uh, go through, but we're going to attempt it. We can handle this, can't we? We can handle this. The book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. It's uh, considered to be a hard book because it's hard sometimes to understand what all is talking about and just who is he talking about. Now, I believe personally that um, Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but I can't prove he did. And I don't know anybody can prove he didn't. So my guess is as good as anybody's. But I do believe that it, it is the Word of God. And it's a very interesting book. Got a lot of uh, things that will run you all over the Scriptures. And that's about what we're going to do. So turn to the book of Hebrews. It is one thing to know what you have when you're under grace. That it's better than what you had under law. And so he's showing the, especially the Jewish believers, that what they have under Christ is so much better than what they had under the law of Moses. And so going through again and explaining the difference between law and grace. But he starts off with letting us know about um, what God had done in the past. You see, all the way through the Old Testament, God says in in many ways, different times, he sent prophets to speak to the people. And most of the time, what did the people do to those prophets that God sent? Well, they kill them. (laughs) They kill a lot of them. They don't want to hear what God has to say. It's just reason people don't come to church most of the time because they don't want to hear what God has to say. They already know what they want to do and what, how they want to live and what they believe. So don't bother me. And so uh, you come to church and you study the Bible, it convicts you because it reminds you what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be living, how you're supposed to be thinking. And some people say, well, that's just too much. I can't handle it. So the um, best way to do is not to go to church. And the reason you don't go to church, you don't like their song books or you don't like the carpet. You know, there's got to be something else, but they never tell you the truth. So here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, look in verse 1. Starts off with a good subject, doesn't it? God. God. Who at sundry times, that means in various times, 
different periods of time. And in divers manners, that means various ways, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now that's what he has done. Now, he says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So it looks like even Jesus lived in the last days, hath in these last days. But he's talking about the days in which God had spoke and so forth by the prophets. And he says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So you notice there the, the prophets first and then the son. So I want you just to hold your place right here in Hebrews and go with me over there to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, he tells a parable. It's an interesting parable, but uh, there might be uh, something they're supposed to relate to the time in which they were living, and uh, some of them did not like the, uh, the pointed parable. I'll preach a sermon on the pointed parable, because this is a parable that's pointed right at these chief priests and the Pharisees. You see there in verse 45, just kind of jump a little bit. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them, and but he did he ever. But when they sought to lay hands on him because they wanted to honor him and, you know, give him a nice uh, outfit to wear and ask him to come to dinner. And <laughs> no, they wanted to lay hands on him, all right. And it says they feared the multitude because they took him for a, a prophet. Well, he was. He was more than a prophet. There's a sermon you can preach on the prophet, the priest, and the king. The prophet, priest, and king. Those three ministries. What do you have? But now look in verse 33. Here's the parable that he told them. Remember, the prophets came and then he came. And so in verse 33, he says, Hear another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard, hedged it around about, digged a winepress in it, built a tower, let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. In other words, he's rented out. He got some people going to work for him. Then they're supposed to produce some stuff. He comes back and gets the profits. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent unto servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. And here's verse 37. This is where you get into Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Hath last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. In other words, they treated all the rest of them like that, but I'm going to send my son. And just think over the years, the centuries, of all the prophets that had come and how they were treated. And then God says, finally, I'm going to send my son. So the son came into the world. And how did they treat his son? Well, we know what happened to Christ, so we know what happened. But look in verse 38. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said unto themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. They caught him, cast him out of the vineyard. Slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what shall he do unto those husbandmen? They said unto him, Well, he will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. 
Now, when you go through some of the book of Matthew, you'll find that um, Jesus talks about looking for the fruits of righteousness. Remember, everybody's a tree, and there's good trees and bad trees. The good tree has the righteousness of the Lord. The bad trees, well, that's from the first birth. So, And he says you're going to cut down every tree that doesn't bring forth fruits, the right kind. So that means every man sins, every man's going to have to die, be cut down. But Jesus shows up and he's the good tree. He never sinned. So he shouldn't have had to die. But he voluntarily came and, of course, died for us. But look down at the last part here. When he makes this statement again here, they said, let's seize upon him and take him. And uh, verse 42, Jesus said unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in his eyes. Now, many believe that, uh, see, he came to set up and he was going to build the kingdom. Well, the, they rejected the king. So they didn't build a kingdom. But he became the head of the corner, which is maybe a reference toward the church. So he didn't get one, but he does the other. But now, he says, this is marvelous, This what God is doing. In verse 43, therefore said I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. On whosoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Then they understood and perceived he was talking about them. Was he? (laughs) I believe so. Now, take your Bible and just look there in chapter 23. You're right there in Matthew, but look in chapter 23. And notice, because whenever you start studying the book of Hebrews, uh, your mind just runs through some of these other scriptures that kind of gives you an idea of what... uh, Hebrews is going to be explaining. In Matthew in chapter 23, he talks about these prophets and these Pharisees and all that was going on. But just notice what he says here in um, verse 26. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. In other words, inside they were filled like with dead men's bones. Outside, they kind of give the appearance that they're, they're so holy and so righteous and so forth. And he says, you're, you're like a, a, a graveyard. In other words, you stink to high heaven. Now, isn't that something for Jesus to talk to the religious leaders like that? And I have people today tell me, yeah, you shouldn't say things about other religious beliefs. Well, if it's wrong, it's wrong. It's an error, it's an error. And if they're leading people into hell, you're not supposed to say something? Where do we say... We're not supposed to say anything that would offend somebody. No, no, no. Look what also he says down here. In the verse 30, he says, And say, if we had been in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill you up with the measure of your fathers. He says, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, How shall ye escape the damnation of hell? Just as Jesus calling a bunch of snakes, you vipers. I mean, is this that sweet little baby Jesus that was born in the manger? This is, Jesus was a man. He was a man's man. 
And then he says in verse 34, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, wise men, scribes, some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed from the, upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. In other words, he went all the way back. Saying in verse 36, Verily I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And then he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, thou that killest the prophets, stoneth them which are sent of thee, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not? Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And that's going to be at the end of the tribulation period. I go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And you notice he says here in the last part of verse 2. By whom also he made the worlds. Now the word worlds can refer to ages, but it also can refer to worlds. A world like without an end. Uh, It can refer to that which God has created, the the worlds. But uh, many also use this to show about, you know, the ages or the dispensations, which I don't have a problem with that. But look at verse 3. Who, referring to Christ... Being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Now, letting them know, no prophet that he sent measures up to what Christ was. Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. No prophet was like this. So as you go through Hebrews, you're going to see how that Jesus was so much better. Then you'll notice in verse 4, he talks about he was better than the angels. He's better sacrifice, better high priest. Everything he has and everything he did was better because there were Jewish believers who had trusted Christ as Savior, but there was the temptation to go back into the temple, back to the sacrifices, back to Judaism. And he was trying to show them how much better you have it now than what you had before. So when he makes a statement in the chapter 10 of the book of um, Hebrews and verse 26, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Why are you going back to the temple to make sacrifices when there is no more sacrifice necessary? So I believe it's a reference toward that also. Anyway, in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, this morning I'm going to have a message on the uh, creation of the world, the universe. So it's either by creation by God or you have the atheists, evolutionists who want to say it was, well, just it's always existed. And if it didn't always exist, it came into being. But it took a miracle to do it. And so understanding that God spoke the world into existence by his word, his word. He simply spoke. There was all the power that you needed to create the heavens and the earth and all the things that we can see through the Hubble telescope. And they tell us how many billions and billions of stars and all that kind of stuff. And all these galaxies. And all he did, he spoke it into existence. That must be an awful lot of power.
the power of his word. So when he gave us his word, where does it say in the Bible that the word of God is sharper and powerful? And where is that found? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Just take a peek. Look at the power of his word. He says in verse 12, For the word of God is quick, it means it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is powerful. So the word of God that we have, I guess it's as powerful as the word that created the heavens and the earth. The power that it takes to create a new birth. Remember, no man on earth has power to create the new birth. It takes a miracle. God has to do that. That's why he says you are born by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Anyway, Go back there to Hebrews in chapter 1. And look there in verse 3 where it says, And he says, The express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Not only to speak it into existence, but also he says, By him all things consist or held together. People can't understand what keeps an atom from exploding. I mean to have all this... Atomic power. You just think about what keeps the earth from flying out in space. Or any of the moons that goes around any of the suns, the stars, it's on, or these planets. Now look what else he says. Upholding all things by the word of his power when he had, and you ought to underline this, by himself. See, there's no such place as purgatory. Purgatory doesn't exist. That's something that's made up. Because, you see, you've got to be really good to go to heaven, and you've got to be bad to go to hell. And so, what about those people who are not good enough to go to heaven, but not bad enough to go to hell? Isn't that wonderful? There's people that are not good enough to go there, but they're not bad enough to go there. So, that's why some people say, well, I'm just going to take my chances. God knows how good I really am. <laughs> you need to understand Nobody deserves to go to heaven. Everybody deserves to go to hell. And there is no place called purgatory in the middle. Because he says he hath by himself purged our sins. If he's already paid for our sins, then we don't have to go to a place called purgatory in order to have our sins purged. That doesn't exist. That's made up by man. Because you've got to have this middle ground someplace in there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good, but I'm not that bad either. I'm as good as so-and-so. If anybody makes it to heaven, dear old Aunt Susie will. Okay. So he says, which he had by himself purged our sin. And when he finished the job, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So the payment that Christ made for our sins is already done. Now look in verse 4. Being made so much better. Now we're talking about Christ who is so much better than the angels. Hath, hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. 
This is why you'll find out in the book of uh, Philippians in chapter 2. God hath given him a name which is above every name. Above every name. There's no name as great as the name that Jesus Christ has. Now, we may be surprised that when we get to heaven, what he's actually called. Is it Jesus? Yeshua? I mean, there's different ways in which you can pronounce. And there's people who study the Hebrew and they've got all kinds of names and things you're not supposed to say. And Jehovah doesn't have any syllables in it. So they don't know whether or not what what does it really say? How do you really pronounce Jehovah? Well, we do the best we can. God knows who we're talking about. But there's a song that we used to sing. Uh, his wonderful name. We got a song we're going to be singing coming up nah, a couple of weeks from now. And about a lovely name, a wonderful name. It's a special song. I ain't going to tell you no more. But anyway, because people who sing by these tapes, I can't understand how can they tell when to come in. That blows my mind more than anything else. It scares me to death. That's why I don't mind starting with a guitar. I know when I'm going to start. And I play the piano. Well, I know when I'm going to start. But you play the music and because of my ears, I don't know when you start a song. And if you start it off wrong, buddy, you know, it's not going to sound right all the way through. It's going to be off. But now some of these guys digesting them, the others, they can, they listen to the music and they just start right. My son Eddie did that. I said, how do you know when to begin? So I guess God's not going to allow me to do everything. <clears throat> but He's talking about how Jesus is so much better than angels. And he says here, he hath obtained a more excellent name. Then he talks about as you compare Jesus with the angels. Now, angels is also, this is a word that can be used for messengers. Uh, Preachers are called sometimes messengers or the angels that uh, came to see John and they went back. And so these seven angels were seven messengers that were over the seven churches and uh, in the Old Testament, there are uh, pre-manifestations of uh, Jesus Christ as the angel of the Lord. And he's the Lord, but he's considered an angel. It means he took upon human form and times past. And so um, he says in verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. He never called nobody else his son. Now, when you read the book of Proverbs, he talks about in chapter 2, 2 Psalm, uh, Thou art my son upon whom, upon the uh, Mount uh, Zion, and kiss the son, lest he be angry. So those verses are in there. And in Proverbs, he talks about, and what is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell. So he says, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Did he say that about any angels? No. So Jesus is better than all the angels. Now, why did God allow his son to be less than the angels? Because when he came into the world, look there in chapter 2 of Hebrews and verse 9. But when Jesus came into the world, he didn't come as an angel. He says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. And then he tells you why. It tells you why he became a man. For the suffering of death. 
that the angel, then the angels, for the suffering of crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for the elect. Is that what it says? Did I add anything in there? It doesn't say elect, does it? Taste death for every man. So Jesus, see, when he came into the world, he became lower than the angels, but he wanted you to know Jesus is better than the angels. And he, God has exalted him above the angels. And at no time did he ever call the angels his son, but his son was God in the flesh. But anyway, we'll look at that more as we go through here. But Hebrews is a, it's a harder book to teach and explain because there's so many things that you have to put in. That's why he, Peter made the statement uh, that Paul and some of his writings were hard to understand. Well, I believe he's referring to the book of Hebrews. So if anything, I think Peter says Paul did it. Anyway, Yankeeology there a little bit. And he says, and in verse 6, And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God do what? Worship him. So if they're going to worship him, then he has to be more than a man. More than a man. And that means he's better than the angels. So he's going to go through the book of Hebrews so that they can see that they don't need to leave the one that's better and going back underneath the law. Under the law, he says, it was given by angels. Just look at this very quickly. And you'll notice in verse 2 of chapter 2, And if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward... How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's better. What we have now is better. And he says, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And so we have something better. The gospel that we preach is better than preaching the law. The law, yes, they preached the law, but man could not keep the law. Not that the law was bad or wrong, it's just that uh, man was sinful and could not fulfill the righteousness of the law. Now, go back there to verse 7. And notice what he says here about these angels. I like to apply a part of that to the way we are, you know, as preachers, especially the ministers of the gospel. And so he says in verse 7, And of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits? Talking about the Lord, he makes his angels spirits. And his ministers a flame of fire. I love that phrase. His ministers a flame of fire. Now, I don't believe this here is referring to uh, the pastors or the preachers. It could, but I don't believe that's in context. You're talking about the angels. And then you look there in verse 14 where he says, are they not all, talking about the angels, ministering spirits? So there are angels, but they minister, but we can't see them because they're spirits. Do you think there might be a possibility there might be some angels in this room? Now, don't believe that whenever your little child dies, they become little angels. You wish they were angels while they were here. But when they die, they don't get wings 
I mean, it's nice to think all of that and so forth. And that when your little doggy dies, that little doggy goes to heaven. Well, I don't have a scripture that says that the little doggies go to heaven. I think I have some just the opposite. But anyway, we won't get into that. But I do believe that uh, we have angels. Do you think you have a guardian angel? I've got at least ten. Because I overworked the other nine. So they have to share responsibilities. Would take my place. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.